Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find several speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Christina. I'm Christina, a compulsive eater, and uh, so grateful. I'm going to set my timer because I go into Tangentville. Very easy, ask my husband. Um, <laughs> so I, I, uh, I will say I've been really emotional the past couple days. I see so many people that I'm, have, have changed my life for the better here. Um, so if I cry, that's why I've just been really touched, and I have a tender heart in front of you. And um, if there's any any place where I can feel at home, it's in OA. I uh, I spent a a long a lot a lot of my life uh what i perceived as being told that what i was doing with food was just in my head that if i had enough willpower that i could just muscle through and there was a lot of like um devaluing my experiences so so when i came into this program um what i found was that people were talking things that were inside my head that i didn't even remember because it was not okay to say them and when i did say them people thought I was crazy. I remember walking down the strand with a friend and I really admired her and I do. I still respect her and I, I was I, I needed somebody to relate to me and I said, I'm you know, I, I eat and I can't stop and she said, Oh Ipina she's like, you know, don't um don't worry. She's like, just after you finish dinner have have a glass of tea and that'll calm you down. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah. That's gonna it didn't work. So what it was like for me, I gotta remember, what it was like for me, um Preschool was great. <laughs> Let's go back in the day. Kindergarten, I started to have these weird thoughts. And it was like, it was vaguely uneasy. And then in first grade was the first thought. And this is the disease thought. And this carries me. This disease thought pops up in all different areas. And the thought was this. I walked into class late, and I'm walking down in the middle of a rows of desks, and I was wearing a denim skirt. And all I could think of was, you fat pig. Your your thighs are walking or rubbing together, and everybody's staring at you, and they hate you. You fat fuck. And the, and I was like, I don't know where that came from. It was first grade, and that that language wasn't used in my house, so I don't know where it came from. But it it's it's the nature of my disease, and it pops up a lot. Um, and I believed it. I thought that that was the truth. So uh, fast forward. I want to go just dip a little bit into my food uh, habits. We had a foreign exchange student from Japan. And um, I remember being really anxious growing up. And she brought all this beautifully wrapped candy with her when she came. And they, we, my parents stored it in this little, you know, in our uh, pantry. And I walked down in the middle of the night, and I took all the candy, and I ate it that night. And then the next day, everybody was like, what, you know, where, what happened to the candy? Where is the candy? And I was like, I don't know, but I ate it. And that, that <laughs> you know, and... And um, that's just, and then also, you know, the road trip with my family, I just vaguely remember there was some argument going on in the front of the car, and I, it was this big, like, big Subaru car that some family friends had let us use, and I crawled all the way to the very back so it could be as far away as, from the argument as possible, and there was this three-pound bag of Skittles, and I, I just sat there, and it, it just, and I ate the whole three-pound bag, and nobody noticed because we're driving through, like, from California to, like, Montana. So it was a long trip. But when we stopped the car and got out, 
I, I was just screaming for more. You know, it was like, if you eat a three-pound bag of sugar, it just has these effects on a person. And I just was screaming for more. I couldn't have enough. So um, I now know that when I am nervous and when I am around food, that it's a bad combo. So for a lot of my going through this disease, sitting down at dinner with people was, was really uncomfortable. Because one of the things about my disease is that I have to look perfect for you. Not because I'm like, oh, I want to look great, I want to look great. I do. But because I feel like if I don't look good, then I tie, I hinge my self-worth on what you think of me. And so all of a sudden, if I start, you know, interpreting like a, a little you know, frown or something or some some sign, I'm really quick to grab onto that and I'm like, I am bad, something is wrong with me. And so when I'm around food and I'm around people, I have to be very careful to this day. In fact, I even asked, um, I had uh, conversations with my husband uh, at the beginning of our marriage where I was like, you know, during dinner, can we can we just keep it light and polite? And this was this was from sponsor direction years of being in program because what happened is he would come home and he was like done with work and and excited and wanted to connect with me and I was just like it was like too much and I was like I just want to eat my food you know I just want to eat my food and and it was like too much and it reminded me of things that happened as uh as a child so anyways so I got to be um oh so in college um you know, being at a social party, eating the whole bag of Hershey's Kisses until my, my tongue was raw. In fact, that's that's a very, uh, that's a memory I can still feel now is the, the feeling of a raw tongue, especially, like, at parties with, like, hummus, you know, things like that. So, <laughs> anyways, um, and uh, pounding a box of cereal while trying to write a paper in college and, and then self-punishment. I remember I was trying to finish this paper and I was like, I didn't do it by this time, and so, so suddenly I had to learn how to type double-handed. I had never learned. I'd been like one of those hunt and peck typers, and I had to teach myself how to write the paper and do it with this new thing. I don't know. It was just sort of like I had to punish myself because I didn't do it right or something. So I ate a ton of cereal, um, and I from what I stand before you, and at my heaviest outside of program, I was 40 pounds larger than I am now, and at my most slender, I was, um, I wrote it down, I think it's 18 pounds. So what I want to say is that it's not, and this has been brought to my attention before, it's not that 40 pounds heavier is bad, but it was that the recovery for me in this program is that I, my weight hasn't shifted. I haven't had to buy clothes because my weight has changed so drastically. I buy them because I like to treat myself nicely now, and that's something that I'll get into later. But that's a whole different reason for, for, for purchasing something versus the weight. Um, so, okay, so I was 40 pounds overweight. I was always the heavy kid in, in school and, um, and I just remember thinking, if I only looked like my sister, you know, if I only had a slender waist, really big chest, <laughs> big hips, if I looked like her, then life would be good. And uh, that is a lie that has followed me throughout my entire life. And um, after working the steps and having a spiritual awakening, for real, I, I know now that I'm like, I love my house. I love my tent. 
the the spirituality I have now, I've heard it in in the literature, and it's described as a tent. And the tent is our bodies, you know. And, and we, we don't have them forever, but we get to have them for now. And I want to clean my tent, fold it up nicely so I can use it when I go camping at any time. That makes sense. That's that's what works for me. So, okay, over-exercising. I went to Spain, and I thought, here I go. If I can just pull a geographic and move to a different country, it's my family of origin. They're the ones, they're the ones who are, you know, if I could just get away from them, then I'll be able to somehow... Uh, transcend who I am and get to a place where I can remake myself. And I went and um, and it was wonderful. It was the first time in my life that um, nobody knew me and there wasn't an expectation on what I was supposed to be, what I was supposed to do, and people were encouraging of learning. And they, they were open and they wanted to show me their culture. And I fell in love and endorphins and that rush that comes with, you know, attraction just made the whole experience magical. But what I realized is that I love learning. You know, I love being in new cultures. I love being excited and having a passion for life. And that's something that growing up I didn't know that I enjoyed because the narrative that was passed around in my house that I clung to was one that um, life is expletive and then you die and and I remember vividly someone in my house saying you know watching the news and saying they should just line up all those people and effing shoot them you know just shoot them and that was and it, yet from the outside if you were to meet my parents or if you were to meet my family members you'd be like oh they're you know they're really upstanding citizens they seem so loving everything was nice on the outside but inside was this tenor of hatred and fear the absolute fear that just threads it what it, its way into everything it's insidious so i went to spain i loved it fell in love and then came back after doing a study abroad and i was very, very depressed and my sister was like, hey, let's go to the gym. Let's work out. You're really depressed, and I'm really tired of seeing you moping around. So uh, I went to the gym and fell in love with group classes. And I found that that was a wonderful way to rid myself of things I had done with food, was to do whatever I want, eat whatever I wanted, and then just go to a group class. And I remember it was like my mentality was like it was like a vending machine. You know, I just put in the two quarters, which were my time. Somebody tells me what to do, and then I can just lose the weight. So the physical symptom of what I'm doing to myself and what I'm thinking and feeling inside can be erased. So that became very addictive um, to the point where I, for about 14 years, had amenorrhea. So my period stopped, and the endocrinologist, the specialist I saw, said, you know, this usually happens in girls who are restrictive or um, anorexic. And at the time, at the time that she said that, I thought, oh, I'm not anorexic because I'm too fat to be anorexic. So my period stopped. Um, my hair was thin. Um, and, and yet I couldn't get thin enough. I couldn't get thin enough. And I remember at one point, I went back to Spain. I thought, oh, Spain's the answer. Pulling a geographic's the answer. And I was really good at the group classes at that point. Super thin. I'd lost my period. I didn't care. And I remember walking around uh, the streets in Madrid, uh, staring at the menus. The menus. And thinking and fantasizing in my head, gosh, what must it be like to eat? And that was such a metaphor for my life. What must it be like to be able to taste life? Let me Let me fantasize about it, but I'm... 
I'm not going to actually live it. I don't know how. So, okay. I wrote notes because I go on a lot of tangents, and there were some things that I really wanted to put out there. So, got married, um, and my Friday night ritual was, you know, I'd work all week, and if I could just power through the week, then I would treat myself with frozen yogurt, wrap myself up in a blanket, and just watch TV. And my poor husband, when he would walk home, he'd walk, walk in the door at night, he would walk in, and he would see that here, like, I was, like, barricaded in, and like this, and he walked in, and I was angry he came in. I was, and I feel and it's sad because now I get to connect with people and people, you know, and, I, and I'm saddened that a large part of my life I couldn't. And it's okay because I just didn't, I didn't have the ability, but now I get to connect. For better or for worse, you get to meet me and you get to see all my, whatever, all my idiosyncrasies, but I, I get to live life today. Um, so that was one of, the, one of the physical manifestations of my disease and how it, how it showed up in relationships and in, in my, my marriage. So I hit rock bottom when I was, I was seeing a therapist and we had just moved from Manhattan Beach and I kept thinking, you know, first we moved to Hermosa, then Manhattan, and we moved to Lawndale. And there, there's nothing happening in Lawndale, okay? That <laughs> so you can adopt a stray dog every other day. You know, it's like there's just <laughs> just come visit me. It'll be great. Um, and and I, we moved, and that was the weekend that my father-in-law decided he wanted to visit San Diego from New Jersey. And I was furious. I thought, how dare this man come and visit his his my brother-in-law, his other son, in in San Diego the weekend that we move into this new place, and I need my husband to be here to help me do this and unpack. And so I was like, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go on another person's schedule. So I stayed at home, and I thought, I don't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. And so I thought, frozen yogurt makes you feel good. So I drove out, and I got enough frozen yogurt to last me the weekend. And it reminds me of what they said in the big book. Like, I had enough to, oh, this comforting thought. I have enough to get me through the weekend. And I blew through that in an hour or two, and it, it freaked me out. Because up until that point, I had been very good at being able to restrict and exercise, restrict and exercise, and then binge and restrict. And I couldn't stop. I, c- I could not stop. And I called my therapist the next day, and she said, you know, um, m- moves and death and new careers and marriages. Are, she's like, those four things in life when they happen, she's like, they're really deeply affected. You know, just just calm down, take it easy, and see me. And I was like, what should I do? She's like, just wait till next week and see me. And I was like, I can't wait a week. Like, I couldn't stop eating. Like, I can't wait one week to see you or a day. Like, I needed something now. And I so I went on to, thank God for internet, I went on to the, the internet and I typed in, can't stop eating, can't stop, you know. And I found... Um, I found a way, and a different therapist, and I don't mean to, I, just that my experience is that a lot of people looked at me and they said, because you are not obese, this program is not for you, and that is a bold-faced lie, because the disease is in my head, and I remember wanting so badly for somebody to say, I hear you, I know your pain, it's real for you, so, you know, here are some options, and instead a therapist once said, you know, I think, when I asked her, I was like, do you think OA is a place for me and she's like I think that's a little extreme just you know come back and I was like okay so I went to an OA meeting and the first one I went to was kind of depressing (laughs) I have to be honest but they read and I was also very judgmental as sometimes newcomers can be so um I I uh the literature cut 
cut through my crap. The literature cut to my soul, and they read, it was in the, the 12 and 12 of OA, the OA 12 and 12, and they read on, it was like the first step, and it was like the first page, and I just started bawling. And then I heard, it's a spiritual solution, it's about God, and, and that was it. I was like, I need to go to church more. So <laughs> I stopped going to OA, and I was like, I'm going to go to church more and just become more spiritual. It didn't work. So, you know. Um, so then, let's see. So I finally found, and it's still going strong, Tuesdays at 5.30 p.m. in Torrance is a meeting where it's a literature and writing and pitch or sharing meeting. And for me, I found that in my recovery, write, centering, uh, focusing on writing and then uh, focusing on the literature and then writing about it really anchors me because then it gives me a voice of recovery and the method to, to write it out. And then... And then I get to share about it. And so that really helped. And that, that was where a lady mentioned a big book workshop. And I thought, she's, she's like, it meets once a week for a year. And I was like, oh, you meant a month. And she's like, did I stutter? She's like, I said a, she's like, I said a year. And she's like, wait, actually, it's 13 months. And I was like, there's, and she's like, I highly recommend you do it. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I don't, I can't do anything for a year. And then I, I just did it one Monday at a time, you know, one Monday at a time. And I had a sponsor at the time, and I couldn't stop binging. And um, so I did it one Monday at a time, and it changed my life. And um, thank you. And we went through the steps, and through there, it it was encouraged that I find a new sponsor because I was still binging. And so I'm grateful for my first sponsor, but I do want to plug in. I went to, I went on like a blitz of looking at different meetings from, for this sponsor, somebody I connected with, and it was raining cats and dogs at the Serenity Sunday meeting. And I'm from down South Bay and I made this trek up on Sunday. And the speaker there was this lady who had, she walked in and I loved her coat. She had this like beautiful wrapped coat. It was so cool. And I thought she's, I like that. Like she's, she looks like she's wearing her, what I think is like God in all of us, like these little bits of God that I see, these little creativity on her. And she shared about having lived abroad, and she mentioned something that for me I found true, which is as I worked the steps, or what she said was as I worked the steps, she's like, I don't, she's like, what I found is that it's like I'm wearing a suit of armor. I go through life and I wear a suit of armor, and as I work the steps, each chunk falls off. There's a chunk, boom, boom. And that's what I've found for me. There's pieces of me that I've left behind and good riddance. I don't need to pick them up again. Um, so uh, my sponsor has just the patience of Job. She's, <laughs> she's amazing. And I admire her and I respect her and I love her. And, and I remember the first time that I felt a part of, um, we went to tea before a meeting on Saturday, and it was my sponsor, a couple of her sponsees, and I had this moment where for the first time I felt a part of life. I felt um, so excited that these women, they were, they were, I was alive. Like, I, I, I was, had always been scared of, like, when people, friends would invite me, let's go for a snowboarding trip or things like that. I was like, oh, that sounds horrible. I can't, like, binge in front of you and eat. And, like, what would I do with my food, you know, if I was around you? For, for, and I'm still, like, for, like, 24 hours anyways. But being around these women, I realized there are safe people. And then there are people that I try and impress. And so filling my life with people who inspire me and who excite me has been... Uh, really really cool so that's what it was like this is what happened was working the steps uh, I did my fourth step 
uh, over a period of what, a year and a half or something. It was ridiculous. I was slow. And m- at first, my sponsor was like, hey, you know, it takes what it takes. She's like, it takes as long as it takes. And then by, after like a year or so, she's like, let's set a deadline. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, we better. So counting all the sub, you know, it's like they'll say like, hey, here's my resentment. And then, you know, the sub resentments. I had 960. I had five binders filled with resentments. And it was what I call death of a thousand paper cuts. Because I didn't, <laughs> I didn't kill anyone. But like, oh, my God, the insult, the, like the offense that I took throughout life and the power that I gave to other people to define my worth was um, heavy and I the first time that I went to her house to do the first step the fourth step because we did it in sections over a year or something and she said tell me the first time she's like tell me you know she, she saw I had my five freaking binders and she's like yeah tell me the thing that you don't want to ever tell me tell me the one thing that you would you would go to your grave and not tell me and I told her And I told her this. God, this is so stupid. <laughs> I told her this thing, and you looked at me, and she, she laughed. She laughed, and she was like, "That's it." But she was like, and she shared something that she had done that was similar. But what it was is that I was finally able to tell somebody that I really loved, and they had been there. They'd done something similar. And she looked at me, and she actually, I felt her love for me. And I was so filled with shame. I'd like to say that I felt good after that. I was so filled with shame because I realized afterwards that I couldn't accept who I was. I could not accept what I had done. And um, and she loved me because I couldn't love myself. And she, you've given your time. And um, so... I don't mean to be over dramatic, but that's there is there are some things that we keep inside that we won't share with everybody. I won't put it on this podcast, but they're deep, and um, and and you'll still be loved, and you'll get through it. And I felt very um, I was deeply healed by my fourth step, and turning it over the fifth step was a gift. Um, it was it peeled away so much, and my sixth step, um, I actually felt. During the sixth step, that I had, I got a little too much freedom. Like it was like, hey, you can define your own higher power. You can, um, and I had always been told no. Like I remember meditate, trying to meditate because somebody had said you seem really anxious, and I was in my bedroom and I was trying to meditate, and I was like maybe 16, and my mom walked in and she's like, who are you meditating to? And and I don't, I don't mean to to, to blame her because I know that whatever, but she was like, who are you meditating to? And I'm like. I'm just trying to calm my mind down. And she's like, you know, there's evil spirits. And I'm like, maybe there are. Like, there may. There, there, you know. But that's not maybe the best thing to do when, <laughs> when, when I'm, I'm obviously looking for a way to calm down because I feel like things are rushing too fast. Maybe ask me, hey, let's just chill out. Let's go do something. But anyways, so, so my sixth step, I was able to, um, one important thing that came out of that was the idea that I get to choose, and this is an idea that I've clung to now, and it makes me super happy, is that I get to choose how I act. Now that, I don't know if you, whoever, like, put on your ears and really hear me right now, because if you're new, this is a, this is like a tool that will really serve you well. No matter how my parents act, no matter how they act, and this is part of my ninth step amends to my family, I get to choose how I act, and how I, and, and it is, so I'm going to try and 
make this really quick ninth step amends. Uh, I did a financial amends to a large department store, and my sponsor was like, just go in, you know, make the amends. They're not going to arrest you. Well. (laughs) (laughs) I was sitting down there in the security department, and the guy told me, he's like, listen, he's like, we have to, if you decide to pursue this, we have to uh, uh, go through the whole legal process. So we're going to create a police report, and we, we may have to arrest you. And I was like... Let me make a phone call. <laughs> and I'm like calling my sponsor. And um, what came out of it is I was like, you know what, honestly, because I was like, I, I was like, I want to be, I want to be free of this disease. And so I said to them, I can't remember if it was Macy's or May Company or Broadway. So I'm making it to you, Macy's, because you're the only one still in business. But I was like, I can't say that I actually stole it from you. So they're like, don't give us this in writing. They're like, just don't give it to us in writing. Donate your money to this. This, this charity and so I, I had to actually go back two times to make sure I did the donation and not take any of their pins they were like you can buy pin and I was like no just keep the money so um, I made ton, a, a ton of financial amends but the, the hardest amend and this is what my sponsor said she's like the financial amends are the easiest you can save up for that but the hardest amends was um, being a silent witness in front of my family when all the stuff that had contributed to me doing what I did with food started happening again and instead of acting in the same way that I acted before sitting sitting in front of them and trying to maintain a smile and trying to be pleasant and calm and compassionate and then turning it in on me this is what I didn't do growing up turning that compassion in on me going to the bathroom getting on my knees praying texting uh, reading my little slogans on my phone then coming back to the dinner table I, I will tell you the most uncomfortable thing I've ever gone through was sitting at that dinner and I felt like I was being flayed alive and I couldn't act out. And and I got through it and talk about being refined by fire. There was a backlash afterward, like for me emotionally, but I got I get to deal with life. My point is I get to deal with life a different way and I have better relationships because they trust that I won't act out the way I did. I won't throw tantrum and then I won't need to eat over it because I don't have the guilt that I acted out because they're being assholes. Like, sometimes people are not acting well, but I get to choose to act well. So, that was a big thing. Yes, big book study is great. The steps are helpful. And I want to say, promises are coming uh, true in my life. And the tools. Um, getting, a me- getting to a meeting is the easiest thing I can do. When people have said, like, hey, the phone weighs a 1,000 pounds now. I'm, I'm on the phone. I'm going to meetings. Those are, those are things that I can do. The hardest one for me to perform, and I will say, stand before you and say I'm, it's a work in progress, is service because I have a big thing with commitment. So, but that's something that I really um, will get to work on. So thank you for letting me share.